0: Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts.
1: Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.
0: John, Michelle, welcome to Human Stories and thank you for talking to me. Pleasure, Tony. And um, you're um, I'm just reading your biog here. Uh, you're yeah. a, you're a full time writer, and we'll get on to talk talk about that in a yes. second. Obviously, um, yes. but um, you were a diplomat with the Australian Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade for 33 years. Yes. Uh, you're also a qualified barrister and solicitor of the Supreme Court.
1: That's correct.
0: So you you must have we could have you on Human Stories every week because you <laughs> you must have so many stories to tell. Uh, well, from your, ex- your experiences I suppose,
1: I suppose. But, uh, Yeah, I mean I've had I, I think what I would say to you Is I've lived a fairly unique life hmm. a lot of respect. Not, not totally unique, unique But quite unique I think.
0: Okay, I can imagine I, I'd quite like to come over to uh, Brisbane In Australia where you are And um, buy you a beer or three Or ten And uh, and, and listen to your stories like that That would be, that'd be brilliant
1: Well, maybe in a year or so we can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, not at the moment, yeah. Okay, so you've written um, two books, I understand, um, at the moment, and you're about to publish your third. Is that correct?
1: No, no, no. I've written two books. I'm working on a third, but it's very early days. Okay. The second book came out in November, but it was, in fact, the first book because I wrote the manuscript for it first then put it aside when I wrote the second book which became my first published book called Dublin Zoo Mm -hmm. and then and then I published the book called The Far Grass in November where Dublin Zoo was published in February so I got two books out last year and um, it's now been getting on for four years since I elected to become a full-time writer Um, and I found it's taken me about 18 months to write both books and probably the far grass longer because it took 18 months to write the manuscript. I put it aside, spent 18 months writing Dublin Zoo and then I, I went back and revisited the manuscript. Cut a lot of words out of it, I have to say. It was far too long and, um, and trimmed it up and got it out. So I probably spent probably two and a bit years on the far grass. So um, time gets away and four years in terms of writing is really nothing. So uh, that's why there's just two books over that period. And I'm I'm working on a third where I'm trying to put together the lessons that I've learned from writing Dublin Zoo and the Far Grass into a novel. And I might add one of the big lessons is never write in the first person. It can be horrendous because yeah. you've always got this point of view problem about uh, – try and explain how you know things if you're writing in the in the, um, uh, in the first person. But if you write, write as a sort of a, the uh, uh, omniscient um, observer, as, as you do in the third person, then you're allowed to get away with it. Mm. So it's a bit easy.
0: So would you say that, that your, your third book is going to be a guide to writers?
1: No, I don't think I'd go that far. What I would say to you is that my whole adult life, or virtually all my adult life, has been spent sort of standing on the seashore, metaphorically looking out. uh, In some cases, literally being out of Australia. I was was away for 21 years in aggregate in that 33-year period you spoke of. Um, But even when I was back in Australia, the whole focus was on international relations. And... uh, Mm. People, uh, if they have a look at my books, may see that the books are, in fact, um, written set in England for the better part, not exclusively, but for the better part, set in England. And that reflects, I think, the fact that um, the, the history that I want to write about uh, is really taking place in the Northern Hemisphere, and I need it to, to set it in that environment. But that's where my interest lies. So a lot of interest around the world in the australian outback and stuff like that but you know and i suppose i could go out there and research it and stuff but it's not a lot of stuff that comes to me instinctively not not a lot of stuff that i've had inculcated in me over the years so Mm. that's that's why i write these books and 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 they're not even contemporary books in terms of contemporary international developments they they draw on historical developments and then take Fact and wrap stories around that fact. And um, as I say, you know, being the author, you, you're you the least qualified person on earth to judge your books. But uh, I'll leave it to others. But I'm I, the first novel, I was very happy with the way I took a couple of historical issues that have always interested me and built them into the book, and then it sort of expanded as I went and built more layers on it. And, um, but that's the sort of technique
0: I use. And was um, uh, the... You know, you had uh, extensive diplomatic experience and you travelled all around the world. I mean, uh, that must have inspired you, uh, with the stories at least.
1: Uh, yes. Look, the second book that got published in November is very, very strongly drawing on my diplomatic career, not in terms of actual factual events, uh, it's it, but it's the process that it surrounds it. It's a... It's about a guy who joins the British, uh, spy service, and he gets posted off, and he comes back. It, the same as I did over my career, and the bureaucratic processes, and all the rest of it that that go around that, and the the internal competition between people for promotions and all this sort of thing. So it, it's 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 a book. Uh, say, unlike the great master who recently left, is John Lacare who tended to write a bit about you know one side against the other so much. This is a This is a story about a guy who ends up fighting his own side and the Americans as much as he's fighting the the Soviets and that sort of thing. So
0: so sort of a a loose cannon James Bond.
1: Well, yeah, it's anything but James Bond but a loose cannon. He's a very ordinary sort of black and that's part of his problems. um, I like to think of it, and I, I don't know whether I'm you know, being too grand in saying this, but I like to think of it as a new slant on the Cold War spy fiction novel where most Cold War spy fiction novels, as I say, tend to tend to be one side against the other. Len mm. they used to write a little bit about competition within their service and rivalries, but I've taken it to another level and I've drawn a little bit on some real experiences in that respect when I talk about the rivalries that exist between people. Would you, would,
0: would you say that um, the loose the loose cannon uh, aspect is you? Ah, <laughs>
1: uh, in my dreams, a little bit. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, so I, you want to be can, you
0: want to be your character. I,
1: but I but I had seditious thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fantastic. So um, uh, just I haven't sadly had time to read your books, um, but uh, they're all on that uh, vein, on that subject. Are they about um, diplomatic problems and spies?
1: The the second book is very much about that. The first book started off because ever since I was a boy, I've had a fascination with two items in history, the French resistance during World War II, and secondly, the World War II issue concerning heavy water, which you may know about. Mm. It's uh, Mm. The Norway stuff that was important to making atomic weapons, and any side that got the upper hand in that field would have won the war because uh, there wasn't sort of mutual standoff as we saw many years later. But um, so I took the French resistance and I took the heavy water issues, uh, and I've been, I've taken a bit of license with both issues, I suppose, but they're the base issues, and I've built a story around it, and it's ended up. In the one book, I stress it's not a trilogy. It's in one book, but it's three stories that run seamlessly into each other. And as I, I, I don't plot my books so much. I find that uh, I try to do it, that I just don't find that I do it successfully. So I sort of sit in front of the keyboard and just write, and then get an idea that I'll go this way, I'll go that way. Mm. And um, but it's it, it sort of built up and built up and built up. Uh, that I kept adding a layer on it and another layer on it, another layer on it, and so I ended up with three stories in one, uh, where I employ a technique where I have snippets of the third story interspersed through the first and second stories. Mm. And the general idea of that was to keep the reader in track with the third story, which, at about the two thirds mark, comes in and carries the book through to conclusion. But mm. it it is uh, started off. With the idea that I wanted to write something about French resistance, and I wanted to write something about the heavy water. So, uh, I, and I look as I said, it's 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 a waste of time to ask an author what he thinks about his book because they'll always tell you that you know it's the best thing since sliced bread. But uh, I, I am really quite pleased with the way it's it's come out. In fact, I haven't looked at Dublin Zoo for a while, but I read a bit today as sort of preparation for. Uh, our talk tonight, actually, mm. and and I, I be honest and say I put the book down. I didn't read it all, but after I read a couple of chapters, I thought, yeah, no, that's still all right. I think so.
0: you're enjoying anyway. reading your own book. Uh, well, that's good. That's very good, isn't it? Uh, yeah, fantastic. Judge. So, what what sort of made you start writing? Was it because you had all these stories in your head from your work?
1: a uh, very good, very good question. Actually, uh, the foreign service, particularly when you were abroad would require a lot of writing, because you would report back, you would write cables, as they call, them, mm. or in the old days. Like, the Australian service is very much modelled on the English service, and a yeah. lot of the language of the English service has come through in, in the Australian thing. And when I first started, they used to call them telegrams. Where, where, but it's all changed a bit, and by the time I finished, it will have changed since I left too. But it was basically you sat in front of a computer, with a, a, a word processor type thing, and you type something on this in, into this format of this template, and that became your cable, your report. So you've been out to speak to the opposition leader in country X or something, and he said this, this, and this, and so you're reporting back on it. And they imposed, um, I couldn't really tell, about halfway through my career, I suppose, a three page length. And I, I really loved writing that first draft and then chiseling it back get all your information in in that three pages. It reminded me mm. of being a sculptor mm. with a big block of stone and then you're just, mm. you know, chipping away at it. So so there was that. And then in the law, when I finished with the Foreign Service, I had a couple of years in the law and the writing wasn't the same. In fact, I'd go as far to say that I think some of the writing standards have slipped in the law, but there was still a, quite a bit of writing, you know, and affidavits and things like that. So um, I found that the writing was the one aspect of my professional life that I never tired of. And my wife and I were in the United States on a holiday in 2017, and, and uh, I was set to go back to work when we came back from the holiday, and I said, I'm not going back. I'm going to write a book. And uh, and that's when I made the decision. And it's hard to put into words, I guess, but. Um, when you, when you write something and you, you can see it come back to you off the paper and you know the words are in the right formulation, mm-hmm. It's I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but for me it's a, a really profound feeling, a very strong feeling of satisfaction mm-hmm. because it's hard work. It's mm-hmm. a lonely profession and you just slog away and mm-hmm. you know you go, go down rabbit burrows all the time and have to come back and start again, that sort of stuff.
0: Uh, I I know where you what you're what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always fancied writing a book, but I'm too busy, <laughs> and I've got lots yeah. lots of uh, lives and uh, stories to tell. I've led quite an interesting yeah. life, um, yeah. and I know what you mean about chiselling away at it as well. Because I think um, I left school when I was fifteen. I couldn't wait to get out, um, and um, you know, get into broadcasting and engineering and so on. But um the one thing that I did learn uh in English was uh the art of pracy Yes. Uh to to you know to rewrite something in shorter form but yes. still have the same yes. message. Um and I yes. do I do that all the time now because I rewrite people's um uh press releases and I write uh radio scripts and commercials and stuff like that and that's okay. been really useful to me all these years okay. later. I mm.
1: think okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think there was an ambassador I had once who used to like to give you back your drafts and say, "I want more from less." And I think that yeah. that's it, exactly what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, when do you think your new book's going to be ready?
1: Oh, it'll be a while. It'll yeah. be a while. Uh, as a, I'm now in the process of trying to promote these two books. It's. It's. I. I am not the. Um, uh, you know, a spring chicken anymore, shall we say? But I, I, uh, I do consider myself an emerging author, and uh, emerging authors are exactly that. And so, you have to get known. Mm. And, uh, and I, I find I get distracted a little bit by uh, the wish to try and promote these books, and I, I sometimes fall for the trap of not doing either very well—that is, writing a new book and doing the promotion. So. At the moment, although I've got about five thousand words sort of knocked out of the new book, and I, I have an idea where I'm going with it, um, I I've really come back now since the new year, really, and decided I'll I'll try and start to promote these two two books. the The name of the game, Tony, is 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 the way I put it, is to get them tested. If you can get them before a critical mass of people, and they'll either give you the Roman. Thumbs up or thumbs down, uh, and then you can't dispute that decision, mm. you know. Mm. But the worst thing is when you've written something and you think it's halfway decent, and you try to put it out there to 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 gauge the reaction to it mm. in the cohort that you're targeting, which I must confess mine is probably older readers, particularly those who can remember the historical events that I draw on. Mm. Uh, that that um, it's really to get it before a critical mass of people whatever that might mean but I, I, I think I am talking say hundreds of thousands of people mm. but uh, So you know, I, I try and use social media and things like this which I'm not particularly good at mm. but uh, I just try To to look at all sorts of things I, I've done a little bit in the media here And I'm hoping to do some more in the media in the next couple of weeks to, to uh, try and do it but it's a uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I tell you, you've, mm. you've really got to plug away at it. And, uh,
0: and also, marketing—marketing so, anything—is a different skill, isn't it? It's another skill you have to learn, take on, and it's—it's
1: oh, it's, it's not me. I'm unfortunately—I mm. mean, I write and I love the writing, but I'm not that fond of the promotional side. of it. Except mm. you've got to do it, but I'm not that that fond of it. And it's—it's uh, it's difficult sometimes, you know, to talk about your work and be objective and. Reasonable, then all, all you can do is sort of ask yourself, is, is the thing any good? If the answer is yes, well, I think you just go out there and do what you can do.
0: Okay, well that's fair enough. Well, I, I wish you good luck with uh, number three and ones one and two as well, of course, um, yeah. called um, Dublin Zoo and the Far yeah. Grass uh, yes. by John Michel. And yes, um, presumably you can get it on Amazon and everywhere else.
1: Yeah, they're on Amazon. Um, Dublin Zoo, it's a, it's a weird and wonderful world, this distribution, I tell you. But uh, uh, Dublin Zoo is also available on foils. And I think I'm talking the UK here. And I think both books are available at Waterstones online. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Brilliant. And there is a, say, Amazon and that sort of
0: That's thing. great. Okay, yeah. well, I'm, I, you've wet my appetite too in the course of the interview, so I'm going to have to uh, buy those books. I mean, this, this is the downside because, as you know, I don't make any money out of human stories. It ends up costing me because I have to buy the books that people are talking about. But that's <laughs> fine. I'm sure.
1: I am sure. buy them if they're going to put you on the street. But-
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fine. <laughs> so, so thank you for that. And um, I look forward to reading Dublin Zoo and The Far Grass as well. Um, We'll put um, those details in the text with this uh, podcast episode as well for you as well on Human Stories. John, Michelle, thank you so much for talking to Human Stories.
1: Pleasure, Tony. Thank you very much.
0: Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll somehow inspire and help other people. Get in touch if you've got a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to get your message across, contact me to chat about the very reasonable costs involved.
1: Human Stories with Tony Lloyd